My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the Lord be in my heart and on my lips, that I may worthily and fitly proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we come to the conclusion of the series we began a few weeks ago. So a very short review before we jump into what we're going to be dealing with this morning. We started a series called The Bread of Life. The Bread of Life. And in John 6, we've been going through this whole chapter. Uh, We started, I believe, uh, towards the end of July. And we've gone through the end of July through all of August. And we now conclude this series. And we looked at Jesus' words about being the bread of life, about being the bread of heaven, and how his flesh is true food, and his blood is true drink, and how those who wish to receive eternal life will feast upon him. We read that specific piece last week. And we saw how that was scandalizing, right, to the religious leaders and the people gathered there, as this chapter says, that Jesus says all of this in a synagogue. So he's not outside talking to a group of people or traveling on the road. He's gathered together for worship, for the public reading of scripture, and for prayers, which is what the synagogue was. He's saying all of this, teaching them about himself in a gathering where they're there to study the word of God. It's important. And we saw their unbelief on display, and we compared it with the unbelief of the children of Israel in the Exodus. And how the children of Israel in the Exodus, they ate the manna, the bread that fell down from heaven. And they still died due to their unbelief. And we also saw how Jesus' words to eat and drink are a reference to believing. To believing. And there's other parts in the Gospel of John where he talks about abiding in his word. Eating and drinking is a reference to believing. But, like we talked about last week, it's also a reference to actual eating and actual drinking because the two go together. And quite honestly, that's what Jesus says. I think think sometimes when we read something in Scripture, we want to go too far over into this direction to say, well, maybe he didn't really mean that, what he said there. Because then that means we have to take what he did say over here a little bit more seriously. And sometimes it's easier to try to get, in, get, to get out of the hard things that Jesus tells us to do and the hard things that the scripture asks us to do and the commandments of God that he asks us to live by. It's hard to do that, so we're just going to go over here and try and soften it so we don't have to do it. By the way, the title of the sermon this morning is called Hard Words. And we also have to understand that for most of Christian history, the church has believed that Jesus Christ is truly present in the consecrated bread and wine. So we have to avoid and we have to reject any sort of theology that seeks to turn Holy Communion or the Eucharist into just memory into just believing. This is because it's in believing his word and in eating and drinking that we have eternal life 
because that's what Jesus said. That's what he said. So with all of that swirling in the air about them, everything that we've just reviewed there, Jesus now, after facing unbelief from those people who are gathered, he's now going to get some guff from his own disciples. The ones who had followed him up to this point. The ones that he had called to follow him. Those who have professed faith in him. Those who had believed in him. They are now confronted with a hard saying. In eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And some of them actually say. Amongst themselves. It says here in the text. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And again they don't say it in front of him. They say it amongst themselves. But, but then Jesus, because you know he's Jesus, right? He knows what they're thinking. And then he confronts them. And we don't like that Jesus that confronts sometimes, do we? We don't like a Jesus that says no. <laughs> we don't like a Jesus that says follow me to this uncomfortable place. He says, does this offend you? Is this too hard for you? Is this too much for you? Now let me ask you a question that should seem familiar because I mentioned it last week. Jesus in response to the unbelief, he doesn't clarify or soften his language. He intensifies it by intensifying the verbiage, right? We saw that last week. So you would think, right, that with his own disciples, he would seek to clarify and to soften it a little bit by saying, it's just a metaphor, you guys. You don't really need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's just a metaphor. I was just using hyperbole to make a point, right? Hyperbole is when you say something to give an example that's super extreme to make a specific point. That's called hyperbole. I was just doing that to make a point about the level of belief that you really need. Like you have to believe a really, 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 really a lot. And that's very bad English, but I did that on purpose. But it, 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 it's not a metaphor. He means it. So no, he doesn't soften it because there's nothing to soften. It is a hard saying. But they don't understand because at some level they don't believe. And because they don't believe, they can't understand. Because as we talked about, I think, two weeks ago, faith seeks understanding. Faith keeps our hearts open to God. Even in the midst of our doubts, even in the, middle of, in the midst of our misunderstanding, faith keeps our hearts open to receive and to learn. St. Augustine said that the secret of God should make us eager and attentive, not hostile. And we see the secret of God here in John 6, making lots of people hostile. But it shouldn't make us hostile. It should make us eager to learn. But we don't have that posture of faith. And, and Jesus then says, okay, this is too hard for you. What I've said is something that you can't handle. Okay. What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? If something like my teaching is something that you think is too out there for you, then how in the world would you be able to parse 
seeing me ascending into heaven, the place where I was before I was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary? And the answer is, unfortunately, many of them can't because they're not listening with the ears of the Spirit, but of the flesh. And Jesus says, the flesh profits nothing. But then that should make us think, well, how can his eating his flesh give us life if he just said that flesh is of no help? St. Augustine is very helpful here again when he notes that, it is, that Jesus is talking about that flesh that is alone by itself, not profitable. He says, let spirit be added to flesh and it profits very much. For if the flesh profited nothing, the word, Jesus, would not have become flesh to dwell among us. So mere human flesh cannot sanctify anyone, can't sanctify anything, or give life to anyone, or give life to anything, but the body of Christ can. Because, as St. Cyril tells us, it was sanctified by the power of the word, being made one with it, which then endows living force in Holy Communion, which makes us able to implant, makes it able to implant grace in us. And so this is how the Spirit gives life. And that life-giving act of the Spirit comes from our adherence, our listening, and follows the words of Jesus. So those who continue to hear and feed on his words will then be able to respond in faith and to feed on his flesh and to drink his blood and thus have life eternal. But then he drops this bombshell. But there are some of you who do not believe. But before we get that, that's where we understand then, brothers and sisters, the importance when we're gathered for worship, the importance of the word and the importance of the sacraments. The word and the sacraments. The word of God being publicly proclaimed and coming before the Lord's table and altar. The word and the sacrament. Those two are joined together all throughout John 6. And we've highlighted that as we've gone through John 6. The necessity of believing in the words of Jesus. And the necessity of feasting on Jesus. And how the two of those things go together. Which is why when we come together brothers and sisters. It is so important for us. Because it is in the right preaching of God's word. And it's in the right reception of coming before his table. Where we receive life. So we cannot. And we should not separate those two things. Those two things need to be joined together all the time. And it's to our detriment that we separate the service from the word and the service of the sacrament. Those two should always be joined together in public worship. Now Jesus says, there are some of you who do not believe. And this is a bombshell, right? And one of the saddest verses in the entire New Testament is when it says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. He then turns to the twelve and asks them, What about you? Are you going to leave too? And St. Peter responds, Where else would we go? You have the words of life. So even though Jesus' words are hard, 
St. Peter and the rest of the 12, except for Judas, trust him enough to know that even if the words were hard to listen to and difficult to understand, it is only in Jesus that they will hear what will bring them eternal life. Trust grounded in Jesus and in his words. And this is why faith isn't wishful thinking or belief not grounded in reality. I, I can't, uh, it gets so annoying, right, when you're talking with people online and like, well, you just believe in like in a sky fairy. I'm like, no, 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 no. You just believe to believe. There's nothing to base your belief on. It's just all empty. Faith is trust. And faith is our ongoing faithfulness and our openness based on what we've heard and seen from Jesus, which then grows in our hearts and bears fruit. It's not blind assent to a string of improbables. Right? All of these things that happened were completely improbable. It is holding on to what is truly real beyond the limits of our human sight. But even in the words of their assent to Jesus, Jesus knows all is not well and says... One of you is a devil. One of you is pretending to believe in me and will betray me. And I know this already. And so the hard saying of Jesus, the hearing of his words and the rejection of his words created in, those who, in some of them hostility to the gospel, hostility to Jesus. And they turned away and never followed him again. But then there were some who heard the same words, who held on to those words, even if they didn't fully understand what they meant, even if they didn't grasp the full import of what Jesus was telling them. They trusted. And that faith and that trust was rewarded with sight. And when we're confronted by the hard sayings of Jesus ourselves, it, it's the same for all of us. Not all of you, because you all are great, but us in general, right? Anyone who will listen to this, who's watching, or who will listen to this when we put up the audio. Jesus' words at times are difficult. And so when we hear talk about the word of God and believing and feasting, Specifically about the Holy Communion or the Eucharist in general. It causes some people to say, well, that's too difficult. But then it also causes some people to say, yes, where else will we go? Because here's where we have life. But oftentimes what happens now is in hearing the word of God proclaimed and, and hearing the hard sayings of Jesus. And trust me, there's some hard sayings in Jesus. And the reason why I'm emphasizing this is because that's the text for today, so sorry. There are some really great non-hard sayings of Jesus. And those are the ones that we all like. Those are the ones we all like. So I'm emphasizing the hard sayings today to make a point, okay? I'm not trying to minimize the, the sayings of Jesus that aren't as difficult, that aren't as hard. Okay, so I just want everyone to be clear that I'm not, I'm not ignoring the sayings of Jesus that aren't as hard. A lot of them are harder than you think, though, sometimes. So when we're confronted with the hard sayings of Jesus, it prompts in us two responses. 
This is too hard. This is too difficult. This is offensive. It causes some to go away, to leave, and to never return. Some will will not go. Some will begin to follow, right? Some will just reject right out and say no. But then there will be some who will receive, who might even be baptized into the church, who will start to follow as Jesus leads. Then they hear something that they don't like. They may hear something they disagree with. Because brothers and sisters, the word of God will always disagree with something that you hold dear. A political opinion that you hold dear. An opinion on ethics that you hold dear. An opinion on anything. Take your pick. The scriptures will always prod you right there. And when we hear the scriptures proclaimed and we hear the words of Jesus and the commands of the the Bible, it makes some of us who've started to follow say, that is offensive, I don't believe that. Instead of responding and saying, that offends me, I don't understand it, but because of what Christ has done for me and in me and what he's doing through me, I'm going to trust that my say on this might not be right. So I'm going to trust Jesus, I'm going to trust his word, I'm going to trust his church as it faithfully proclaims the gospel. And I might not understand, but my faith will then propel me to seek understanding. And right now we are seeing public deconversions because of social media and Twitter and Facebook. And there's, there's people online who are, who, have, who are publicly walking back their, their, their faith in Jesus Christ, playing it out online. And here's the thing. For them, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. They're adults. My problem is, is when it takes place in a super public forum, which is fine too. If they want to do that, fine. But then for some, not for all, but for some, they then believe it's their job to become evangelists for their own deconversion and then to cast people who don't see things their way in a negative light. Why don't you see things the way I do? Because I had a really negative experience and many of them have. And that's playing itself publicly a lot. And some leave like that with its much fanfare leaving as as they brought in with them. And then you're going to have those who may have heard, who do believe, but who, who can't quite get there. Who then say, okay, I really like Jesus. I really like some of the ethical things that Jesus said. I really like Jesus as a person. And then they try to separate the person of Jesus from the words of Jesus. There's a lot of people who do that. I'm not a Christian, but I really like Jesus. Or there are some people who say, I am a Christian, but I don't believe Jesus who he, who he, who he says he was, but that's okay, right? He didn't rise from the dead. He wasn't born of a virgin. He didn't, he didn't atone for the sins of the world. He taught us how to be nice. He taught us how to be good people. But brothers and sisters, eternal life, eternal life, It's not about making us nicer people. It's about our recreation in the image of Jesus Christ. And so we are challenged then by the words of Jesus. We are challenged by the hard sayings of Jesus. 
And they might seem overwhelming. They might seem too big. They may even to our ears seem offensive. But if we can learn, like the 11, I'm going to say 11 because Judas was a traitor and he didn't believe, it says there. If we can like them, even though we don't always understand, even though we don't believe all the time, we can pray, Lord, help our unbelief. We can trust that when we preach the word properly, oh, properly, when we preach it, preach it rightly, when we proclaim the word of God rightly, when we partake of the sacraments, we can trust, right, that we don't understand maybe some of the things that are taught. But if we can receive it, that faith that we receive it in will help us seek understanding and we can hope and trust that that understanding will come at the right time. And so, like what we heard read this morning from the book of the prophet Joshua, he said to the children of Israel, right, and remember, these were the people whom God had delivered from slavery. These were already God's people. I'm using air quotes for the people who are, who are listening, right? They were already God's people, right? In that they had come out of Egypt, God had led them to the wilderness for 40 years, and the, the ones who un, did not believe had died off, and then the new generation were raised. They're still God's people. They have, they have the law now, right? They have the tabernacle where they can worship. They have all of that stuff, and they get to the border of the promised land, the people of God, and Joshua, the leader that God has raised up, he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And you think to yourself, but haven't they already? Well, no. Because we could see how they acted, right? He says to them, choose you this day whom you will serve. I don't know about you, but I'm going to serve the Lord along with the rest of my household. And the people say, yes, us too. Us too. And they get into the promised land and they conquer the promised land. And then Joshua dies. And then the whole thing descends into anarchy because they actually didn't choose God. They chose their own desires. They chose the gods that appealed to their sin. And we do that today too. When confronted with who will we serve today? We choose to serve the gods that will satisfy our lusts, that will satisfy our flesh, that will satisfy our short-term desires. Instead of choosing the God who said, if you eat of me, and if you drink of me, you will never hunger and you will never thirst again. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening. And may God bless you.